What's up, guys? On today's show, we're getting you caught up with some updates from a busy week in the NFL, the fantasy impact that that carries, our bold takes for the season, and rapid fire this or that at the end of the show. First, as always, we encourage you to follow us on social media. That's Instagram and Twitter at Tutty Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Jackson, Jackson himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. He did what? It's a C-Mac attack. I'm really not into dreams anymore. Okay, I'm in the nightmare. A lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and 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 over again. You like that? You like that? Here are your hosts, Bryce Wells. I'm going to I'm going to say it. I'm going to put you on blast. Kevin Nelson. It's a damn shame because Pete Carroll is wasting Russell Wilson and there's nothing we can do about it. And Chase Daskalos. No. Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five quarterback. Episode 17. What's up, fellas? It's Kevin, Bryce, and Chase. Teddy Talk Podcast. Another week, another show. Bryce, I'll start with you. Coming from Portland, Oregon. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm excited about the show today. We've got some good stuff to go over. Can't wait to break into it. And uh, overall, yeah, it's been fantastic. we got some nice weather again, which is good to see. It feels oh. like we haven't really hit summer yet, so... Been waiting for that summer, summer season. Here we go. Chase from Albany. What's up? What's up? Doing great. Excited for the week to be over. Saturday, move into the new place. I'm sitting here drinking a pinkies up. Oh, iced coffee. I'm gonna oh. be wired here in about five, <laughs> ten minutes. So stay tuned. Pipe it up. Yeah, I'm uh I'm at my parents' place up in Seattle for the week. Brother's birthday, father's day, all that stuff. Uh, so spending some time with them while working remotely from home. So good to good to do that, but also do the show. Let's dive right in. Get to some news updates from around the NFL this week. Uh, pretty busy and some pretty devastating news to the Eagles with as many injuries as they had last year. They don't even get to kickoff of 2020 and a major blow to their offensive line. They lost right guard Brandon Brooks to a torn left Achilles. He's done for the 2020 season. Like just like that. It didn't even get a snap into the year. And Carson Wentz protection is, you know, suddenly hindered Miles Sanders stock in this season of and he was telling everybody a few weeks ago in his workouts, MVP offseason. That's the type of player he wanted to be in 2020. And not saying he can't have that this year, but a major blow in losing arguably the best player on that offensive line. This is a big deal. I, I feel like when we are talking about offensive linemen, you know, that's something that we haven't dived a whole lot into on the podcast. A lot of our information that we're getting from uh, new sources like 4 for 4 is a good place that we've been consistently going to for some of this stuff. Um, I, I was just curious, you know, how much does an offensive line play into effect as well as correlating to fantasy points? And for all those uh, P-brains like, like myself, I'm just going to oversimplify this for you guys and let Chase handle all the numbers. I think we can just say that a good offensive line equals a good environment for increased yardage and are less likely to allow drives to stall into punts and field goals. So the longer, obviously, the team's on the field, the better chances that your players are going to do better and, and have more production. Let's just simplify it and let's leave it at that. A good offensive line leads to better opportunities for players to score points. Some of the best run-blocking units of the last half decade, teams like the Saints, Cowboys, Ravens, Titans, Vikings, Niners, all have fantastic lines, have consistently had fantastic lines, and the running games, the running game shows that it does matter. However, when we break into some of the numbers, there are people out there that say that there isn't uh, a, a really accurate way to evaluate whether an offensive line has that big of an impact. But I think we can all assume that, yes, it definitely does. Yes, it does matter. What I did, looked at what she sent me uh, with the 
with the models there. And then I ran my own model and I only looked at 2019 because what I did with the data, it was pretty tedious. So instead of looking at fantasy points per game, because I didn't want like a Jordan Wilkins playing for the Colts who got 10 carries a year, right? His points per game would be super low. I didn't want that to completely skew running behind the great Indianapolis Colts offensive line. I didn't want that to skew the data. So what I did is I looked at run blocking efficiency versus fantasy points per snap. And it is important, you know, that came out to a 0.48 correlation, pretty strong, positive correlation. So I'm not going to argue, obviously, like you said, Bryce, it, it having a good offensive line creates a healthy environment and a better opportunity for, for fantasy points. But the people, you know, that I saw on Twitter freaking out about what this means for Miles Sanders, that's where it irked me a little bit. And so to dive a little deeper, I wanted to find, you know, what is the most important thing? What's the most important metric, the most predictive metric for running backs? And I mean, this is going to be obvious, but the most important thing for running backs, fantasy points per game is opportunity share. You're like, duh, how many carries, how many receptions, targets are you getting? So the regression model that I ran for that was opportunity share versus fantasy points per game. And that correlation came out to 0.89, which is incredibly strong. Obviously, 1.0 would be a perfect positive correlation. It doesn't get better than that. We're at 0.89 here. So you have to look at opportunity share for these guys. And what's interesting is I pulled the top 10 in opportunity share from last year in the NFL. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Saquon, Derrick Henry, Zeke, Mixon, Le'Veon Bell, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, Chris Carson. Those were the top 10 in opportunity share. And Christian McCaffrey was at 91.5% at one overall and Chris Carson was at 71.5%. Well, with Miles Sanders from week 11 to week 17, when Jordan Howard was out, Miles Sanders opportunity share was 73%, which would have been 10th in the NFL. And also in week 17, he played like 33% of the snaps because he left the game in the second quarter with a little tweaked ankle. So if you take week 17 out, I know this is a small sample size, but it's the only time in 2019 that he had his own backfield, which we expect to see in 2020 weeks, 11 to week 16, his opportunity share was 79.7%, which would have been fifth in the NFL mm. behind McCaffrey, Fournette, Saquon and Derrick Henry. So well, that, right. That's where I look at these people that are freaking out about, Oh no, Brandon Brooks is gone. Um, you can't, can't draft Miles Sanders anymore. This is a huge blow. Offensive line is important. What's more important is opportunity share. And based on what we saw with him in his own backfield, he's a top five guy in opportunity share. And I'll just say this, like once the Eagles get to camp, whenever that is due to COVID and all things political, whenever we're playing football again, it's almost like Brandon Brooks is never there. You know, they're, they're going to have a right guard. That's not as good as Brandon Brooks. Sure. But is isn't like he's thrown in there halfway through the season, you know, okay, hey, we lost Brandon Brooks, go play this starting role now and be this this plug in our offensive line. Like from a from a pure football perspective, you're looking at this and going, yeah, he's one of our best players, but you've got all the time in the world to get somebody ready to go to play that position. And ultimately, you know, you can't really move Miles Sanders back that far because of this injury. It's, this isn't like Miles Sanders mm -hmm. broke his ankle or, and is recovering, and we don't know what his timetable is going to be like. This is just one guy on the offensive line who is uh, a pro bowler, and he's talented, and now he's no longer there. So does that play into effect? Of course it's going to play into effect, but Chase is right. Volume is always going to matter more than everything else. So it doesn't really affect his it shouldn't affect his ADP, and and you should still consider Miles Sanders the guy you're drafting in your leagues. Yeah, it, it shouldn't touch his ADP, in, in and I think it will though. I, that's yeah, it totally oh, yeah. will. That, and what that's good for you, that's good for us. If you like Miles Sanders and you haven't been able to get him in the first round, where he's going in the early second, late first, it's just going to push him back a little bit. And if you believe in what we believe in, and that opportunity share is the most important thing, it's. I don't want to say it's good for Miles Sanders, but if you like Miles Sanders and you want him on your team, this is good news. I hate saying that, but from from a fantasy perspective, yes, yeah. Outside of that, that sucks for Brandon Brooks. Feel for you, buddy, uh, and hope your recovery is 
as easy and get back on that field. Let's stay in the city of brotherly love. One of my favorite fan bases, I might add. (laughs) Totally sarcastic. Uh, Eagles coach Doug Peterson said that Alshon Jeffrey, everybody's favorite wide receiver, right, uh, is without a timetable for return uh, from that foot injury that he sustained way back, and I believe it was week two. Alshon used to be a sought-after, draftable, wide receiver one caliber with Chicago wide receiver. Uh, he's 30 years old now. News flash. And he's not worth drafting. He's not worth having on your team in the headache because of this injury lasting forever. But that's my take. This is a red flag. Uh, clearly he is old and has trouble staying healthy every single season. Uh, I want to shift this to Jalen Rager because I think this is where more of this uh, impacts. And as much as I, it's it's weird. I, I know Jalen Rager's talented, but there's just something about him that I don't love. And now I have to consider Jalen Rager, especially at his ADP. Um, I believe he's like wide receiver 51. And that's that's really late. And for a guy that's Probably now walking into a wide receiver two position alongside Deshaun Jackson, you could make a case for wide receiver one. If you haven't done your rookie drafts yet, this guy you should be targeting. You should, probably should have been targeting him, targeting him a long time ago. But uh, Alshon not not having a timetable that that's not good. Um, this isn't something we're going to uh, overreact to because we still have to consider that he's probably going to play. But the fact that he hasn't played a full healthy season, in what feels like fifty years. I think at this point, this this is not good for Alshon Jeffrey in fantasy football. So I'm going to shift from Jalen Rager to another guy in that wide receiver core who I think is actually more of the positional replacement for him. And J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I can't believe I'm saying this because oh, he had no. every opportunity. He had every opportunity in 2019 to produce, and he didn't. And the positional replacement, the outside – X guy, bigger body, right? Is not Jalen Rager. It's JJ Arcega Whiteside. And if you're a JJ Arcega Whiteside truther, which I'm not, this is sort of another fighting chance for you to see Arcega Whiteside, for the Eagles to see Arcega Whiteside, and to replace Alshon Jeffrey. And if he doesn't do it again this year, and I, I'm not, I'm not telling you to draft Arcega Whiteside. I think he's terrible. He. He, he had every opportunity to do it last year. Greg Ward, him and Greg Ward were the starting wide receivers, and Greg Ward was out producing him. Absolutely terrible. Every opportunity to do it last year, didn't do it. But if you have him and you're a truther, this is this is like your last breath here, and you better pray for some J-Jaws, some Jaws production here because if if it's not it, right – and I I understand the Rager thing because it's good for Rager as well because yeah. it's just less target competition. But the positional replacement here is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And he's somehow, I think he's terrible, but he's got another, another shot. The NFL, the league of second chances, and J.J. is going to get his, it sounds like, at least for the start of the year. Um, a healthy Deshaun Jackson is going to help a lot in that offense. He missed basically the whole season after an incredible week one and Carson Wentz continues to not have weapons and they drafted their COVID quarterback. Speaking of COVID Ezekiel Elliott. That's a fucking segue, by the way. Holy Ezekiel Elliott has got COVID-19 asymptomatic though. So, okay. Okay. Asymptomatic. Yeah, All right. He's All not, right. he's not in, in trouble, trouble. Where does he slide? If you were to draft today with a bunch of random people and you said, I, Hey, by the way, uh, real quick, Ezekiel, it's got COVID. And people that weren't listening to the podcast, people that weren't really in tune with fantasy football, but they were doing a draft today. How far do you think he would slide? Would it be worse than last year with the holdout? Or would it be just like nothing happened? Like, oh, I'll take it. It'll be fine by the start of the season. I don't think he's sliding. I think everyone (laughs) has a basic knowledge of of how COVID-19 is working, even if our even if the, our country and the world still trying to figure out how to yeah. to get all over it, of course. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I think this is this shines a light more on fantasy depth for for the 2020 season. Now, if anybody tests positive, 
for COVID-19 during the season, the replacement is stepping in. So I think there should be more emphasis, and and this should be talked about more because I I haven't heard this spoken about uh, that much. Maybe there's some articles about it. I'm sure there are. But maybe, you know, focusing on players that are actually going to be on the field instead of upside picks for fantasy depth is kind of the way to go this season. You know, it, it, it seems like, and, and maybe that's why the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. We've talked about that quite a bit too. Um, just in case Carson Wentz gets sick, they're going to take him out of the field, take him out of the stadium, take him back home and shelter him so he doesn't get anybody else sick. And, and it's going to actually affect the whole team as well because everyone else is going to get tested. So it's going to be interesting for one to see how the NFL handles this situation. And I think they're just going to try to plug through it. But I think there needs to be more emphasis on on drafting players that are actually going to step on the field and that are quality replacement players at the respective position because of, of COVID. I mean, it, it should be that simple. I think people need to recognize that that could be a factor this, this year. So hear me out. Ezekiel Elliott doesn't slide. He actually rises because he's already had it. He's got oh. the antibodies. We. Week eight to ten, he's not missing it like Christian McCaffrey could and Saquon Barkley could because they contracted COVID. So Christian McCaffrey stock down, Ezekiel well, Elliott's. <laughs> oh my! Ezekiel Elliott's stock up because he's Ooh. already had it. Sorry, Tony Pollard. <laughs> yeah, I like Tony Pollard. Tony P. All right, well, we're gonna have enough COVID talk to last us all summer. So uh, Zeke, hope you get better. Sounds like he's already doing better. Um, and any player that gets it like that, that really sucks. You know, everybody reacts to this thing differently on a serious note. So hopefully, uh, we're able to get through it and get to football and college football is having a really tough time with that right now. Guys getting sick and and testing positive, feeling fine, but test positive, um, at those return to, to campus return workouts and things like that. I know Ole Miss had their photo shoot today, follow a couple guys there that have a couple connections and they had the jerseys all lined up, but didn't really do any of the behind the scenes. So I don't know how much, you know, if everything is being affected by COVID-19. Surely there are a whole lot of um, ramifications and alterations to just day to day in the off season. So kind of wild time. Speaking of which, did you guys see the picture of the halo helmets? That's it. Those look cool. I think that they could those do that. Awesome. I think they could actually use those. Uh, I think that's a reasonable, um, I guess prote- a reasonable protection in a in a not, in a kind of a flashy way. They look they look great in my opinion. The only thing is the vision. Like how how well are you able to see out of that? I'm thinking from a quarterback perspective. You know, it, it, I know it only covers like your mouth and your your eyes shouldn't be obstructed, but even when they're rolling out or off that that you know back shoulder peel out where they're rolling out to that side, if your vision's obstructed all, you could have guys seeing things that aren't there and and weird stuff i don't know i've i'd have to put one on to you know kind of see it to believe it quite literally but they they look sick absolutely they do they look great (laughs) yeah they do it's it's crazy awesome to think you know we see all these pictures stuff we are two months 60 days basically away from preseason football i mean it's gonna come like that and we're seeing all this nobody (laughs) nobody knows what the hell is gonna happen yeah all right, let's get back on track here. ESPN's Mike Rice reports that Patriots running back Sony Michelle is recovering from foot surgery still. Um, went under the knife in May to kind of clean some things up. I don't want to say this is a anti Sony Michelle podcast, but it kind of is. It is. Yeah. Sony Michelle, and I feel bad for him. Like, it has had every opportunity just was never used in the red zone <laughs> or at the goal line to score touchdowns. But Sony Michelle, similar to Alshon Jeffrey, is a guy that we aren't drafting. Plain and simple. Yeah, Seasonal, I mean, dynasty, doesn't matter. Yeah, and I don't think the injury is what's affecting my no. my take on Sony Michelle here. You know, this Patriots offense is going to be going to be completely different with Jared Stidham under under center. And I have no idea how they're going to deploy Sonny Michelle, but the more uh, cleanup surgeries and, and just health issues that he's going to have is going to open the door for Damian Harris. Um, I'm not in particularly in love with Damian Harris, 
But somebody's going to have to run the football, and I think there's you're going to see more of a, um, a split share of touches between Sony and Damian Harris in, in year two, just just so that they can keep the durability of Michelle, even if there's any left at this point, um, to maybe stretch it out for another season or so before they, they try to move on, because I think that's the direction of this team uh, at running back. I think with how we project New England to be, in 2020 as well that James White is really flying under the radar right now because I don't necessarily think that James White was 100% Tom Brady's guy, you know, just a product of Tom Brady and that Jared Stidham isn't going to throw him the ball. Uh, So He's a product of the offense. Product of the offense, exactly. And so that backfield is just so – so Brandon Bolden was scoring touchdowns and getting carries last year. And Rex Burkhead is still there. And now we throw in, like I said, James White. And then Sony Michelle isn't just going to disappear. He's still going to get his injured carries and we don't like Sony Michelle. And now you have Damian Harris. So it's so messy, but I really think that James White is cruising under the radar with his play style and how good of a receiving back he is with the projected game script that we see for new England Rams running back, Daryl Henderson, said his rehab on his ankle after surgery six months ago is going well, quote unquote. Uh, we like Daryl Henderson. Everybody was after Daryl Henderson right after our rookie draft last year because of the Todd Gurley stuff and just this weirdness uh, with his injury and not knowing. And is Daryl Henderson actually going to be the starter? And we didn't know. And then he kind of flopped last year and then he got hurt last year. I mean, end of the year, but still it, and they went out and drafted Cam Akers. So there's this weird, like, hype slash eh, skittish optimism about Daryl Henderson. And then you throw in the injury that he had. And, I mean, and the broken ankle, ankle surgery, that's, I feel like that's the most common thing in the NFL besides an ACL that's detrimental for a lot of guys. But I like Daryl Henderson, and I like that he's going into his second year where Cam Akers has some learning to do. And, and Daryl Henderson got to learn with Todd Gurley in his first season. While he didn't produce the way we wanted him to, I feel like a year two, not necessarily breakout, but better than last year is what's in store for Daryl Henderson in 2020. Yeah. I I think when, with Cam Akers coming in, it actually affects Malcolm Brown more than does Daryl Henderson. Um, And with how bad this offensive line is and how bad it will be in 2020, I think that they're just going to deploy these two um, and just see what they can do. And, and and depending on who comes out on top, we'll eventually probably get more touches. I think we're leaning more towards Cam Akers there. But I don't think that there's as much hype behind Daryl Henderson as there was a year ago. Like, you know, I didn't even know he, he was that injured to the point where he needed ankle surgery. So this is kind of surprising. Uh, I'm not... I'm not that high on Daryl Henderson, but I I think he has the ability to have the opportunity. We talked about COVID just a little bit ago. Cam Akers gets sick, and all of a sudden Daryl Henderson's probably going to be the lead back. So good player, definitely worth a stash in Dynasty if that's if that's something you can you can afford to do. Um, but yeah, I didn't know about this ankle surgery, and I think it should be interesting to see how him and Cam Akers play out in in 2020. I think now is like a really good time to buy Daryl Henderson too, especially with Cam Akers being drafted he's the more sought after guy right like people are trading for cam Akers because they think that he has more potential in the offense where as daryl henderson he's already been there for a year and like i keep saying he didn't produce the way you wanted him to in the first year so if somebody's giving up on him and traded a lot more to get him or drafted him with a lot more draft capital when things were hot now is the time to buy that's where you want to buy buy low sell high that type of that's fantasy football 101 and now's the perfect time to go get daryl henderson if you really want him and he believed that he can be the guy there even if not and he's a flex play and you can throw him in there in your lineup every now and then that's a great move too so keep an eye out for daryl henderson um not saying he's gonna win that job but he could definitely have some fantasy impact in that offense a friend of the show raiders tight end darren waller well he said that he feels like that the Raiders could have a top five offense. That's not out of the picture that the Raiders have that much talent. He said that via Sirius XM NFL radio chase. I'll, I'll flip it to you first. Top five sounds pretty 
out there. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I believe in this Raiders offense too, the, the weapons that they've added and, and what they were building off of last year. Derek Carr, not as bad as a lot of people think, and his ADP does not reveal that at all. Uh, I like the Raiders in 2020. I don't know about top five, though. I think top five is bullish, but if you think if you think about it, they could be incredibly dynamic in what they have, especially if what they drafted in this last draft hits. They have a really good offensive line, and all of those guys are coming back. Derek Carr better than we think. If Lynn Bowden, Lynn Bowden can be that Joker type role and, and be good at that. And Henry Ruggs, if they can use Henry Ruggs, Ruggs the way that he was used at Alabama and not deploy him as a burner. Brian Edwards, who we all really like. And, you know, you still have Tyrell Williams coming back, Hunter Renfro in the slot, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. There's a lot of names there. And I, I, I see the ability there to spread you out and you're, you're not going to know what they're going to do. Top five is bullish for sure. But I saw Nate Burleson say on Good Morning Football or whatever that the two teams from the AFC West that were going to make the playoffs were the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's not relying on their defense because their defense isn't really close to getting in there. So it would have to come from their offense. I think it's bold. I think it's bullish, but oh my God, I love it. <laughs> of course. I don't think this is a top five offense whatsoever. I don't think it's close, but I think Darren Waller has the ability to be a top five tight end in this offense um, mm. with the quarterback of Derek Carr, who's a check down Charlie type of player. And the fact that this is a developmental offense and team as a whole, this guy's, it comes down to Derek Carr. They're not going to, air this ball out downfield enough for this offense to be a top five offense. I love the optimism from Darren Waller. You got to love that. Um, I actually think that he is right where he needs to be ADP wise. You know, he's being drafted as the tight end five. And I think that that is probably where he's going to finish this year. So I think that it's a perfect opportunity for Darren Waller to finish in this spot. But um, this offense as a whole is not ready to be a top five offensive team that's the news from this offseason so far june 17th we're getting closer like you said chase like 60 days away from hopefully some preseason games and um some breakout guys from out of nowhere undrafted guys getting an opportunity although shortened due to covid19 so let's get into some bold takes shall we bryce we'll start with you question number one who is going to take the largest jump in dynasty value after this 2020 season takes place? I wasn't going to choose this guy initially, and I, I talked to Chase about this last night, but I've decided I'm going to, and it's going to be J.K. Dobbins. The moment this guy gets the starting role in the number one rushing offense in the league, his value currently being drafted in the first round of rookie drafts tack another first round on top. So now he's going to be worth two first round picks, if not more, going into a second season in this offense that is already great. You could say, you know, you drafted Brian Edwards or something late second, early third, and all of a sudden he's somehow the number one receiver on this team. He's not going to be worth two firsts after that. So when we're talking about biggest jump in dynasty value it has to be a rookie running back of some of some sort I think um, unless a very injury prone running back like maybe Darius Geis would be another great example of a guy who could double his value or triple his value by the end of the 2020 season but J.K. Dobbins is so talented and tantalizing in that offense in that scheme it fits him perfectly what he did in college is going to translate over if it happens in the second half of the season where he breaks out, that's when he's going to literally double his value at that very point. So, And it could be sooner than the, than the last half. So I, I love J.K. Dobbins in, as a guy that's going to take the biggest jump in value um, after the season's over. Love it. Chase, who you got? So I, I, I agree in the sense that he, the, the most realistic position – to gain the value is running back, right? You have somebody who's in a crowded backfield. And then the moment that they take over, like Miles Sanders did, then their volume, their their dynasty value just absolutely skyrockets. And I agree with that because if you think about it, 
come week 10, whatever, J.K. Dobbins is a starter, you have him on your fantasy team, and somebody offers you two 2021 first for him, I'm saying no to that. You're not taking that. I want, I want the running back in the best run offense in the NFL. I want He's 21 years old. I want that guy on my team for a long time. And with that being said, mine's a receiver. <laughs> so, LaVisca Chenault, love the guy. I've talked about him over and over and over again. Got him in the third round of rookie drafts this year. So to increase his values, I mean, it's going to be pretty easy. It's pretty easy return on value, in my opinion. Really like DJ Chark. I've been, I love DJ Chark. DJ Chark is 6'3", 199. LaVisca Chenault is 6'1", 227. I see it playing out to where the true alpha receiver in Jacksonville oh, is LaVisca is he gonna, Chenault. Oh, he said it. He said it. Ladies and gentlemen, Chase Daskalos said it here first. I have not heard that take, so I love it. Keep going. His best comparable, LaVisca Chenault's best comparable on playerprofiler.com is A.J. Brown. LaVisca Chenault could have an A.J. Brown type season. I'm not saying he's going for 52,000 yards and eight touchdowns. But that that type where – the situation it's not even the situation for him it's just the fact that he was injured i mean he was the 10th pick in the second round he received greater draft capital than aj brown did in 2019 aj brown went nine picks later the year before and he's just a dog i just love my god i just love lavisca chanel they have that same yak ability they're both huge like i said i don't i don't see lavisca chanel going for a thousand yards i don't but AJ Brown was going in the first round of your rookie drafts last year, and Chenault received greater, greater draft capital. I would argue a better situation in the fact that Tennessee absolutely pounds the ball, and they will continue to do so with Mike Vrabel there and Derrick Henry there. Jacksonville is going to be bad for a while, and we have said over and over again that is good for fantasy football, especially receiving backs or wide receivers. So I just – I just can't get myself off of LaVisca Chenault. Third round pick. I don't know what the hell it'd be worth in 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 2021, but it's going to be a lot more than a third round pick. Agreed, totally. The the value that you're able to get after this season is is going to be way higher than a third round pick for him. Here's another guy that's maybe kind of falling late second, sometimes third. If you're wide receiver happy leagues, maybe one quarterback, maybe not super flex, maybe whatever. But it's Keyshawn Vaughn. For me, ooh, and I really like Keyshawn Vaughn. He, he, like I said, he's going into the second round, and I think he could end up being better than Cam Akers, maybe better than your boy Price. You just talked about maybe J.K. Dobbins. I don't yes. know about that, but you, I, but I what, know where you're going. Yeah, what I'm kind of hinting at is just the the offense, the offensive yeah. power in this is is very timely. And I think that the immediate knee-jerk reaction to Keyshawn Vaughn's success in winning the job over Ronald Jones, who we hate. Sorry, Ronald. Nothing personal. But Keyshawn Vaughn has all the opportunity in the world to be a starting every down back with Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray. I mean, that offensive line is just added to more of that in the draft. And his competition at the position is Ronald Jones. He's been thrown around in college football I mean, by choice at Illinois and then Vanderbilt, two pretty different offenses. He had 28 receptions last year with 38 targets, so he can catch the ball out of the backfield, which is one of his bugaboos. He's at over 1,000 yards in, in two seasons in college. I, at fucking Vanderbilt with no help, I'm just – the sky's the limit for a guy that is going after a lot of these running backs that are in quote unquote better offensive situations. And maybe not now in rookie drafts, but certainly when we were drafting people were, were kind of, Oh yeah, that Keyshawn Vaughn, he, he's still there type of a thing. And I think come the end of the season, Keyshawn Vaughn maybe won't be a household name, but he'll definitely be recognizable for what he's able to do with Tom Brady this year and how good that offense is because we all saw the Patriots offense last year and how many different running backs they cycle in. The bucks don't have that. The Bucks have Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn and Daria Bungawale, who we're not really worried about. You know, we're the emphasis I think is going to turn eventually to Keyshawn. And for where he's going now, 
in Dynasty and where we kind of have him valued is around like Melvin Gordon, Christian Kirk, Le'Veon Bell, you know, looking at the rankings on player profiler. Okay, I think he can I think he could jump up well into the 40s, well into the 30s and and maybe be one of the second or third round picks in next year's drafts. Next question. From no one to someone. So kind of the same thing, but more for the second year guys. Who's the next DJ Chark? Out of the sophomore class, these second-year players uh, heading into 2020. Bryce, I'll start with you. Uh, well, I'm a Paris Campbell stan, so I think that if we're talking about no one to someone, Paris Campbell fits that perfectly. Now, Nikhil Harry is also very close in this battle here between the two, and, and my choice, I still have to stick with Paris Campbell because I think he's the better athlete, and... Uh, he fits the system in a way that, you know, with Pittman playing his role and T.Y. playing his role, Paris Campbell's going to have everything underneath, and he's super fast. He's going as long as he's on the field and healthy. I think that uh, he's going to to be fantasy viable. And it's crazy to me that that Nikhil Harry actually still holds more value because I would argue that Paris Campbell is still in a better situation. Some would argue Nikhil Harry's in a better situation based on volume. But at the end of the day, I want to go with the offense I think is going to be better, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. And I think Paris Campbell, like DJ Chark, who's a freak athlete, is is going to show his true colors when he's on the field and is consistently getting targeted in that offense. So I wrote this question, and in the sense of what I was going at was – who was a rookie that received basic that received good draft capital? DJ Chark was a tw- uh, sorry, DJ Chark was a second round pick in 2018. So somebody who received decent draft capital didn't do jack as a rookie, but we could see breaking out in 2020. And I broke it down to there's about six options here, guys that sort of fit that criteria. JJ Arcega Whiteside, who we've already talked about. He was a second-round pick. He played nine games. He had the opportunity to. He was bad. And then the Eagles add a receiver in the first round, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, John Hightower. So it's not J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for me. Paris Campbell's the next one. Second-round pick. Played seven games. The Colts add Michael Pittman uh, with the second overall pick in the second round. So he fits the mold there. I mean, the, he he's – it's gonna what it's going to come down to here is – Paris is the best choice for this. Andy Isabella was a second-round pick. He played 11 games, even though it feels like he played less than that. What did the Cardinals do? Well, they added DeAndre Hopkins. They still have Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald State, so it's not Andy Isabella. Miles Boykin was a third-round pick. He played 12 games. The Baltimore Ravens are the number one run offense in the NFL. He just wasn't good. They added Devin DuVernay, and they have Hollywood Brown, so I don't see it there. The next one is Jalen Hurd, which is really interesting. He was a, the third overall pick in the third round, San Francisco 49ers. Well, Debo Samuel broke out all over the place, and then the 49ers added a receiver in the first round this year in Brandon Ayuk. So I like Jalen Hurd. I have him stashed. It's not Jalen Hurd. Then our last one is Hakeem Butler, fourth-round pick. So we're kind of getting out there a little bit with the draft capital. He didn't play at all, but he's in the exact same boat as Andy Isabella, where how is Hakeem Butler going to break out with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald? I would put Andy Isabella ahead of him. And it's just not there. So Paris Campbell is the best choice, but I think the correct answer is none. Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. Damn. I think one of these guys will, I think, I think it's going to be between Campbell and, and Nikhil Harry. I think there's there. If, if we had to pick one, it's gotta be one of those two. Can I spin it? Can I spin it into somebody that hasn't broken out yet and we're waiting for it? Kind of like a Devontae Parker, like everybody's given up on him type of thing. Let's hear it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. The 109 a couple years back from the University of Washington. It's John Ross. I think John Ross stays healthy. Maybe not for 16 games because he has never done that first two seasons but i think john ross is is got every opportunity to be a very valuable piece in that offense we saw it last year week one against seattle two touchdowns i mean he went bonkers and how they were getting him the ball with the end of rounds and the reverses and you know super creative play action that had him literally wide open and part of that was seattle secondary 
absolutely shitting the bed, Ken Norton. That was just terrible. But John Ross, speed kills. And I know he's a burner. At Washington, he wasn't. And he caught everything that came his way. He blew everybody away with his speed. They used him creatively underneath. And I think that now he's still there. He's going into what's a contract year. He's got to perform. He's got to do something. You know, it doesn't matter what your metrics are now, John Ross. You're running out of time. And if he wants to stay in the league, he's got to have a big year this year. And I think that this could be a guy that you could get for basically nothing because everybody's given up on him in fantasy football. That if you're able to stash, and the Joe Burrow connection happens. AJ Green, we don't think is going to play again or is not going to miss a lot of time. It's a play action run first offense with a rookie quarterback, as we've seen year after year. And John Ross could be one of the best beneficiaries of that offense. So that's, that's if he even plays, it's if he's on the field. You certainly take on the injury risk with him. But I think that if he stays healthy, he's the Devonde Parker of 2020. Let's play some this or that. Rapid fire, this or that. This is players that are back-to-back or close to in ADP from a positional standpoint. We will start first with the one of the toughest questions, I would say, in fantasy football, mm-hmm. for especially when you're drafting at the back end of this first round and the start of the second. Miles Sanders being taken at the 209, running back 13, or Josh Jacobs running back 11, drafted at the 207. Rap, rapid fire. I'll make it quick. I got a sentence for each uh, each player that I choose. I'm going Jacobs. Uh, I'm going to count for the the injury to the offensive lineman in Philadelphia. But Jacobs is guaranteed volume uh, rushing wise for 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 Las Vegas. I almost said Oakland again. Um, and we know we don't know. We can assume that he's going to be more established in the passing game. So I think these guys are damn near identical. Like they are neck and neck. There, there shouldn't be a huge debate about which one is going to be better than the other. They're both good. They're both equal. But I'm leaning Jacobs. I think we know how I feel. Miles Sanders, top five opportunity to share when he has his own backfield. Feed him, feed him the rock. Miles Sanders, Brandon Brooks, Torres Achilles. Next, okay, Todd <laughs> Gurley or Melvin Gordon. Uh, I'm going with Melvin Gordon. He's the safer pick. Gurley's in a passing offense. They have similar upside and ceiling, but Gurley brings more risk with the injury history. And I know that the Broncos are going to rely on the use of Melvin Gordon more than the Falcons are going to rely on using Gurley in their offense. I'm Todd Gurley because of what's behind him. I think Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, I think are going to get some run. I don't even know who's behind Todd Gurley. Uh, Brian Brian Hill. Hill and and some other dipshit <laughs> nice <laughs> dipshit last name shit first name dip i'm going on todd Gurley too i think that when they had a healthy devonta freeman things were really good in atlanta like that offense was firing um actually took him to a super bowl so i think that todd Gurley, huh could be pretty solid again health all the all the question there with him um, but Brian Hill doesn't scare me at all. And I think Todd Gurley for the first eight weeks of the season could be more than enough to get you where you need to be. Next, Calvin Ridley or Adam Thielen. Huh? There's been a lot of talk about uh, Calvin Ridley being overrated this year um, and having this Chris Godwin breakout. He's not going to be a Chris Godwin breakout. That's not going to happen. But in this situation, I like uh, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think this is probably the unpopular take given the ADP. Um, Calvin Ridley is being taken a, almost a whole round later than Adam Thielen. Um, and I think Thielen has the most upside between the two, but because of his age and recent injuries, I'm a little more hesitant with Adam Thielen. So I'm going to go with the safe pick with Calvin Ridley. Adam Thielen for me and dipshit's name is Quadre Olison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, that's good. I'm going to go Ridley. Uh, I like the Atlanta offense. I kind of like it every year, and I don't know why that is, but I think that the improvements of the offensive line are going to give Matt Ryan a lot of time to throw the ball downfield. Julio doesn't score touchdowns for whatever reason, and Calvin Ridley (laughs) scoops those up. So I think given the difference in ADP, I like Calvin Ridley here. Uh, Next up, Terry McLaurin. This is a Terry McLaurin podcast. And my boy, 
El Buffalo Bill, Stephon Diggs. I'm going Terry all day. Uh, both players have questionable quarterbacks uh, throwing to them. You could see either one of these players, if not both, finishing inside the top 15. Uh, people forget Josh Allen made John Brown a top 15 receiver, and I, I know I said Terry McLaurin, and I'm supporting Diggs in this in this sentence here, but um, Terry has no competition in Washington, like none. It's just him at this very moment, and I think Washington's going to have more favorable game scripts than the Buffalo Bills because Buffalo Bills are a good team. Guys, we have to admit it. The Buffalo Bills are a good team. Terry McLaurin for me. Kev, give us the Terry sweep here. I can't do it. Ah! <laughs> no way. I'm going Stefan Diggs, and I've got an even more hot take at the end of the show about Stefan. So oh, we'll leave it at no. <laughs> Keenan Allen or DJ Chark, this or that? I uh, I think this is Keenan Allen actually pretty easily. Uh, he's consistently great in fantasy, and to me, I think these two are they're in damn near identical situations. Chark probably has more upside, but I think the volume is has and always will be there for Keenan Allen, therefore making Keenan Allen a much better fantasy football option. And even though he's getting older, he his game is perfect as he ages. So I don't think that Keenan Allen drops off big time this year. He's going to sit right where he normally finishes, and volume matters Keenan Allen all day. Keenan Allen for me, too. He's been my go-to. He slept on. I really like DJ Chark. Just talked about him, but yeah, Keenan Allen. No. God, you're just piping up all your guys on this podcast today in both of our leagues. Kevin goes Keyshawn Vaughn, then Stefan Diggs, and now we're going to go DJ Chark. Let me hear it. Let's go. I'm going Keenan Allen. Oh, okay. Shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going Keenan Allen. Um, Yeah. To to Chase's point, he's just slept on. You know, I don't I don't think it really matters which quarterback he has because Bryce, like you said, his game translates so well with him getting older or whatever. He's he's a route running god, arguably the best route runner in the NFL. Where I think both these guys are gonna have better seasons than what their ADP kind of reveals right here. Wide receiver 20 for Keenan Allen and wide receiver 26 for Chark. Totally. Just because of these offenses. Like one of them's checking down to Keenan Allen, the other is having to air it out with Gardner Minshew to LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark all day. So they're going to be down in games. The Jags are. Um, I like that Chargers offense, but they're going to be conservative and more more of a check down Keenan Allen type of approach. So I like that a lot. Um, Hold on. Breaking news from the Raiders, uh, Legion Stadium. Yesterday, Cruz flushed the 1,430 toilets slash urinals in the 297 bathrooms at Allegiant Stadium at the same time frame to test the plumbing system. Pretty cool. That awesome. was a tweet that I just read on my NFL Twitter. Awesome. That's that's very helpful for our fantasy <laughs> football podcast. Thank you for sharing. And uh, for sure. I hope the Raiders suck. This or that. Deontay, Deontay Johnson or Will Fuller. Hmm. Uh... Don't. Do not stop it. Deontay Johnson. Oh, it's going to be close, but in the 16 mm. games that Deontay Johnson plays, he's barely going to outscore Will Fuller in the six that he plays in. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree. Um, yeah, I think this is a really tough one. Uh, you love the upside of Will Fuller, especially without DeAndre Hopkins there. That makes this very tantalizing for me when it comes to Will Fuller, but you're right. Will Fuller's got to play games. Deontay Johnson plays games and played through a hernia. So Will Fuller, you gotta, you, you might want to fix them hammies because uh, our boy Deontay Johnson over here is playing with hernias. Just for all the shit I've talked to Deontay Johnson, I'm going to continue it here and I'm going Will Fuller and I don't need to explain myself. I just, where do. he's going no, no. I want Will Fuller on my team over this guy. I don't care about the injuries. That's my perspective. That's just me. On to the next one. A little bit of tight end action here, despite all the RBs and wide receivers. Zach Ertz, tight end four, 
or Darren Waller, tight end five? Is Darren Waller on a top five offense? <laughs> you know, it's weird that uh, people are still drafting Ertz as the tight end four because I feel like he's his name has been smeared all offseason uh, because of the Dallas Goddard fans that are just waiting on their day to cash in on 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 the better tight end, supposedly. I think it's Zach Ertz. Um, like I said, every every year we keep waiting for Zach Ertz to drop off, and it hasn't happened yet. So I I personally would not be surprised if he has another top five tight end finish. I think that one's that one's pretty easy for me. Uh, neither, because we don't draft top five tight ends. Oh, Good answer. That. Yeah, I love that. Um, but I'll play the game. It's Zach Ertz. He's mm-hmm. the number one wide receiver on that offense. Yeah. So uh, more tight ends. Oh my god. Rob Gronkowski or Hayden Hurst? This one's actually really close, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but Hayden Hurst is being drafted two rounds later. But I still think it's Gronk. You know, we know what Gronk is capable of, even with a year off from football. And, you know, the hype behind Hurst is understandable. We're assuming that he's just going to fill Austin Hooper's role. Assume keyword. We haven't seen anything from Hayden Hurst yet. We know what Rob Gronkowski can do. A year off from football is going to be great for his health. He's playing with the same quarterback in an even better offense than I think he's ever been in, uh, scheme wise, I should say. And I think, I think Gronk is the easy pick here. I really do. I think that that's the right decision. You could flip a coin over the two, but I think Gronk's the right one. There's a level of uncertainty here with both of them. So what it boils down to to me is the guy that we've seen do it before, balled out before with that quarterback. So I go Gronk. It's a clean sweep, Gronk, Mm. for me too. Uh, More tight ends in the last tight end group before we get to some QBs. Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson? Well, you remember last year in the rookie drafts, it was Hawkinson before Fant or Fant before Hawkinson. Hawkinson went before Fant in the NFL draft, but they went to the same fucking school. Iowa. Uh, Year two. Here we go. Fant finished pretty well. Hawkinson was concussed, so he didn't play. What do we got? This or that? Um, It's kind of weird. So there was news today that Hawkinson still isn't 100% yet from his ankle injury. I don't think that's going to be a problem by the time the season rolls around, but who knows? I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But... Um, I think I would have said Fant before the 2020 draft. But now seeing all those weapons in Denver, it's kind of hard to project where Fant's going to finish now because there is so much talent in that offense. And this ball's going to be thrown everywhere with a quarterback that hasn't quite established himself in the league. And being that Matt Stafford is an elite quarterback, yes, I said elite, and on a team that's going to be playing from behind all year long, Hawkinson's an easy pick. Because going into that draft, Hawkinson was the better tight end. So I'm going to put my eggs in the Hawkinson basket. I think this one is close, but I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean Hawkinson right now. After all that, TJ Hawkinson. It's a sweep, TJ Hawkinson. Mm. But Matthew Stafford's not elite. On to quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson or elite Russell Wilson? (laughs) These are two very elite players. There's elite and then there's very elite. Okay? It has to be Russell Wilson. Um, And it shocks me that these two are close in ADP, to be honest. At least right now. Because, you know, Deshaun Watson doesn't have a number one anymore. He doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins to throw to. And Russell's proven that he can play with the least amount of help in the entire league. And I think that I trust somehow trust Seattle's organization more than uh, Houston's. And I think, uh, you know, Russell Wilson's forever slept on in fantasy football and real football. I'm taking Russell Wilson. I agree. I couldn't, I could never right now justify taking Deshaun Watson ahead of Russell Wilson. It, It just, it doesn't make sense. They've added a lot of weapons in Seattle that are going to add to Russell Wilson's fantasy value. And they may not even add to their own value that much. But guys like Philip Dorsett and Greg Olson matter. 
uh, a lot when it comes to Russell Wilson and just distributing the football. Um, it's a pretty easy pick for me. Obviously, the homer aspect of this is going to shine very brightly, but the Seattle offense has every opportunity to unlock Russell and not that bold of a take. I think that Russell could finish not only inside the top three in fantasy for a quarterback, but I think he could finish number one if the defense performs the way it did last year and Russell's able to throw like we know he can and the stretch that he had a few years back with Doug Baldwin. So uh, easy, you're comparing the number one quarterback in fantasy football to the number four. Next, Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think it's Baker Mayfield. Uh, I feel like last year was unlucky for him. You have a new coach, a new system this year, and hopefully a revitalized Odell Beckham Jr. I think we're all thinking that this team's going to flip it, turn it around, and be better than they were last year. I think that I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that Baker finishes higher than he did last year. And it's, I'll say it again, it's absolutely ridiculous that Daniel Jones is the 16th quarterback going off the board. What are you doing? I am I am not a Kirk Cousins stand, but he's the quarterback 21 going off the board, and I would take Kirk Cousins 10 out of 10 times before I took Daniel Jones. That being said, it's Baker Mayfield, and you shouldn't look back at it. I'm kind of nervous to say this now. Oh. I really want to answer this question. Damn. Daniel Jones, because of the rushing upside. Okay. Sure. Sneaky, sneaky rushing upside. Cool. Pretty cool. Kevin, what do you got? Um, I'm going to go Baker Mayfield for the rushing upside. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he did run in some touchdowns last year, oddly. And um, I like Baker. Um, I think having Kareem Hunt for a full season and a good rushing attack is only going to allow for more play action for Baker, which he's thrived on and, and done pretty well. Um, hopefully the offensive line gets a little bit better, but the Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. combination has to work. It has to, right? It does. So, um, yeah, Jarvis coming off of an injury and, and hopefully ready by week one. Um, but they also add, added Austin Hooper, which we haven't seen Baker really target a tight end that a whole lot, like we thought we would see with Njoku. Um, but I have Baker in Dynasty. I'm riding him out until the wheels fall off and he's Johnny Manziel, just like everybody told him, but um, I like number one pick Baker Mayfield over what was he th- like? I don't know what Daniel Jones was. I, I think I his uh, his ADP kind of reflects everybody's <laughs> faith in the fact that Baker Mayfield's going to bounce back, right? Yeah, quarterback fourteen's yeah. pretty high, and to me, after last season, I think yeah. I think most people are assuming he's going to do better than what he did last year. Well, last year, remember where he was drafted? He was like quarterback five, six, seven. I mean, he was way up yeah, there. Yeah. He's a top um, top five dynasty quarterback at one point. Like that, yeah, that's where he, he was. He was at. the Kyler Murray. He's Kyler Murray of this year for sure. And we don't see Kyler, you know, falling off. But just what Cleveland added last year it was easy to hop on that train. Okay, that's this or that. I think we had two sweeps, one sweep. Uh, we had to show you. So you could three. have three fantasy experts in the same room. <laughs> I don't know about experts, but we're going to, you can't have different opinions and that's all right. Like these guys are really close in ADP. So um, we'll see come the end of the year, who's right, who's wrong. I'm sure we'll go, dig back to this episode 17 and, and fact check all this, but um, let's get to some bold takes. There's already been some on the show, but let's wrap it up with this. Your early boldest take for the 2020 season. And these have got to be the boldest unsaid, unreported, uncommented on original thought, Bryce, I'll start with you. People are going to hate this take. Hate it. But I think oh, it's God. very – I actually think it's – it's. there's like a 20% chance this is a realistic take. And I think that oh. Brandon Cooks could finish oh. as a top 10 wide receiver. Oof. Ooh. <laughs> I know. It's hot. That's so, stanky. I, it is, it's a little stanky. I agree. I, I, I totally agree with that. I don't love it either. I think that uh, there's there's a lot of emphasis, emphasis being put on his injury history and um, the concussions that he's had and all this stuff. But Deshaun Watson is his quarterback. There's no established wide receiver one on this team. 
you would not be surprised if Brandon Cooks goes for over a thousand yards this year and, and a handful of touchdowns. Now he's going to have to do a little bit more than a thousand and five, but I think that's within his range, given that he plays in this on this offense and. This team is going to be playing from behind, I, I'm assuming, given that their defense hasn't gotten better in the offseason, that they're going to have to air this ball out. And we know Deshaun Watson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. And Brandon Cooks is going to be a guy there that is going to be relevant, especially when Will Fuller bails because his legs give out in week six. I I can't unsee it now that I've 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 stuck with this and now I'm sticking to it. I, I feel like this is this is possible. I think it's very possible. Well it's bold. It is. Spicy. Chase. All right, Bryce. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Right now, the best quarterback in the NFL is easy. I mean Oh. My heart wants to say Patrick Mahomes. Good answer. I, I still we'll leave it there. Who's the best thrower <laughs> of the ball in the NFL right now? There you go. Thrower probably Russ, probably Russell Wilson. Oh, fuck, you're oh. killing this. <laughs> what am it. I doing wrong? <laughs> what are you, who are you supposed to say? Drew Locke. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Okay, you want me to? Okay, okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I love Patrick Mahomes. I also hate Patrick Mahomes. He's a chief, but we can't deny that Russell Wilson. I had this conversation with a buddy last night. We had we were arguing between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, the better quarterback, not only at this moment, but probably we had to project some of Russ, the rest of Russell's career and Aaron Rodgers. But I still think Russell Wilson's a better quarterback between the two. Right. Who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> best passer, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Historically, could he go down as one of the best ever? Yes. McCole Hardman will score more fantasy points than Mike Evans in 2020. <laughs> oh, am oh. I crazy to say that the Kansas City Chiefs, hopeful wide receiver two, Scores more points than, shout out to Chris Godwin, Tampa Bay wide receiver one, than Tampa Bay wide receiver two, Mike Evans. McCole Hardman, number one in the NFL in fantasy points per target. You're and he received 2.6 targets per game. That needs to go up. but it, it does if he wants to pass Mike Evans, that's for sure. I, absolutely. I I. I I think that I know I'm not a Sam I'm not a Sammy Watkins guy, but the presence of him being there is still going to hinder Miko Hardman, along with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who they're throwing in the backfield to apparently, uh, you know, 20 times a game. Everyone expects him to to do. I I don't know if I'm on on with that. I don't know. I I, I would be shocked if that happened. But I, I see where your head's at, Kevin. Stanky. This might be the stankiest, rankiest, and dankiest, boldest take of the night. And I'm glad I'm ending the show with this. I, I might just mute you guys as we roll into the exit no, song. Only I have that power. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Stefan Diggs will finish with more fantasy points than Cooper Cup. Hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. I think Robert Woods and the the touchdowns are going to happen. You know, he, he was denied that opportunity last year. And I think he's going to score more touchdowns than Cooper Cup this year. I think that Robert Woods is a better wide receiver than Cooper Cup. Um, but I think the number one wide receiver and the only feasible addition that the Buffalo Bills could make in the offseason to give him a bona fide number one who was trapped in Minnesota now has a chance to be the guy with a bomb-it-down-the-field quarterback that has struggled with accuracy, just like her Cousins, but he's going to get peppered with targets, I think. So he's going to be on the field all the time. Same with Cooper Cup. He's going to have a kind of inaccurate, wild quarterback. Same as Cooper Cup. I think their situations are so similar that 
at the end of the day, Cooper Cup is fighting against Robert Woods and Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby and good talent on that team. And I think that Stefan Diggs going against John Brown really isn't comparable. So I think there's a big gap in, in targets and receptions there and ending it in touchdowns and fantasy points. And I think Stefan Diggs makes that jump. I mean, his current ADP is let me find him real quick. He it's is B. he's wide receiver 27 off the board at pick sorry, round six, pick seven in 12 man leagues. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot. So I have him on one league. It's a dynasty league. I think that this is a little bit too late in his career to be adding him in dynasty. Surely he's getting old, 27, 28 years old, but shit, I think this is a, a big year for Stefan Diggs and, and better than Cooper cup. Yeah. And the ADP between the two is so drastically different that Diggs is definitely the better value. I, I could, I could get on board with this one. I think, uh, so it's not that stanky or ranky. No, it's not stanky. I think that, uh, you know, 15 should be the baseline. Wide receiver 15 should be the baseline for Diggs. Like, that's that should be the bottom of of, of where I think he's going to finish uh, based on what John Brown did. And I think we all can agree Stefan Diggs is better than John Brown. So I could, I could see it. I could see it. I'm not a Goff believer. Uh, I'm not that big of a Josh Allen believer, but I think the Josh Allen's uh, got the ability to take more risks. And on a team that defensively is stacked, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to throw to digs. So, yeah, I- I'm on board with that one. Well, thanks. We like <laughs> Buffalo. Do we? I like Buffalo to win the AFC East. Yeah, I like them that much. I like them to host a playoff game and 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 be a good football team. I could see that, yeah. All right, that's the show. Episode 17 in the books. Uh, go to Apple if you're listening on Spotify and subscribe to the podcast. You will be notified immediately once Bryce posts the pod on Thursday morning. So you can turn away from work, cancel your meetings, and <laughs> listen to the podcast for an hour and a half or however long it is and enjoy some fantasy football knowledge in June or July. In fact, don't cancel your meetings. Have your pods in, and when everyone asks you oh. what you're listening to, you tell everyone when listening to Tutty Talk podcast that's way more important than than work. Perfect. That's, that's what you do. Even better. I like the way you think. Uh, and then, you know, if you, if you feel like it, you could give us a five-star review. That would be sweet. We're just trying to make a little headway. Follow us on social media at Teddy Talk, and that's going to do it. We'll talk Teddies with you guys next week. <laughs>